0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This was not a proposal and acceptance, but it was very nearly one. They were silent and happy. Then she said, do you ever have business in Southport? And he said in a unique manner, I shall have. Another silence. This time, he felt, he would marry her. 5. The White Star Liner, Titubic, stuck out of the water like a row of houses against the landing-stage. There was a large crowd on her promenade-deck, and a still larger crowd on the landing-stage. Above the promenade-deck officers paced on the navigating-deck, and above that was the airy bridge— and above that the funnels, smoking, and somewhere still higher a flag or two fluttering in the icy breeze. And behind the crowd on the landing-stage stretched a row of four-wheeled cabs and rickety horses. The landing-stage swayed ever so slightly on the tide. Only the ship was apparently solid, apparently cemented in foundations of concrete. On the starboard side of the promenade deck, among a hundred other small groups, was a group consisting of Mr. and Mrs. Cotterill and Ruth, and Denry. Nelly stood a few feet apart. Mrs. Cotterill was crying. People naturally thought she was crying because of the adieu, but she was not. She wept because Denry and Ruth, by sheer force of will, had compelled them to come out of the steerage, and occupy beautiful and commodious berths in the second cabin, where the manner of the stewards was quite different. She wept because they had been caught in the steerage. She wept because she was ashamed, and because people were too kind. She was at once delighted and desolated. She wanted to outpour psalms of gratitude, and also she wanted to curse. Mr. Cottrell said stiffly that he should repay, and that soon. An immense bell sounded impatiently. "'We'd better be shunting,' said Denry. "'That's the second. In exciting crises he sometimes employed such peculiar language as this, and he was very excited. He had done a great deal of rushing about. The upraising of the Cotterill family from the social Hades of the steerage to the respectability of the second cabin had demanded all his energy, and a lot of Ruth's. Ruth kissed Mrs. Cotterill, and then Nelly. And Mrs. Cottrell and Nelly acquired rank and importance for the whole voyage by reason of being kissed in public by a woman so elegant and aristocratic as Ruth Capron Smith. And Denry shook hands. He looked brightly at the parents. But he could not look at Nelly, nor could she look at him. Their handshaking was perfunctory. For months their playful intimacy had been in abeyance. Goodbye. Good luck. "'Thanks. Good-bye. Good-bye.' The horrible bell continued to insist. "'All non-passengers ashore. All ashore.' The numerous gangways were thronged with people obeying the call, and handkerchiefs began to wave, and there was a regular vibrating tremor through the ship. Mr. and Mrs. Cottrell turned away. Ruth and Denry approached the nearest gangway, and Henry stood aside and made a place for her to pass, and, as always, a number of women pushed into the gangways immediately after her, and Henry had to wait, being a perfect gentleman. His eye caught Nellie's. She had not moved. He felt then as he had never felt in his life. No, absolutely never. Her sad, her tragic glance rendered him so uncomfortable and yet so deliciously uncomfortable, that the symptoms startled him. He wondered what would happen to his legs. He was not sure that he had legs. However, he demonstrated the existence of his legs by running up to Nellie. Ruth was by this time swallowed in the crowd on the landing stage. He looked at Nellie. Nellie looked at him. Her lips twitched. "'What am I doing here?' he asked of his soul. She was not at all well-dressed. She was indeed shabby, in a steerage style. Her hat was awry, her gloves miserable. No girlish pride in her distraught face. No determination to overcome fate. No consciousness of ability to meet a bad situation. Just those sad eyes and those twitching lips. "'Look here,' Denry whispered, "'you must come ashore for a second. I've got something I want to give you, and have left it in the cab.' but there's no time the bells bosh he exclaimed gruffly extinguishing her timid childish voice you won't go for at least a quarter of an hour all that's only a dodge to get people off in plenty of time come on i tell you and in a sort of hysteria he seized her thin long hand and dragged her along the deck to another gangway down whose steep slope they stumbled together the crowd of sightseers and handkerchief wavers jostled them They could see nothing but heads and shoulders, and the great side of the ship rising above. Denry turned her back on the ship. "'This way.' He still held her hand. He struggled to the cab-rank. "'Which one is it?' she asked. "'Anyone. Never mind which. Jump in.' And to the first driver whose eye met his, he said, "'Lime Street Station.' The gangways were being drawn away. A hoarse boom filled the air, and then a cheer.' "'But I shall miss the boat!' the dazed girl protested. "'Jump in!' he pushed her in. "'But I shall miss the—' "'I know you will!' he replied, as if angrily. "'Do you suppose I was going to let you go by that steamer? Not much?' "'But, mother and father, I'll telegraph. They'll get it on landing.' "'And where's Ruth?' "'Be hanged to Ruth!' he shouted furiously. "'As the cab rattled over the cobbles, the tie slipped away from the landing-stage. The irretrievable had happened. Nelly burst into tears. "'Look here,' Denry said savagely. "'If you don't dry up, I shall have to cry myself.' "'What are you going to do with me?' she whimpered. "'Well, what do you think? I'm going to marry you, of course.' His aggrieved tone might have been supposed to imply that people had tried to thwart him, but that he had no intention of being thwarted nor of asking permissions, nor of conducting himself as anything but a fierce tyrant. As for Nelly, she seemed to surrender. Then he kissed her, also angrily. He kissed her several times, yes, even in Lord Street itself, less and less angrily. "'Where are you taking me to?' she inquired, humbly, as a captive. "'I shall take you to my mother's,' he said. "'Will she like it?' "'She'll either like it or lump it,' said Denry. "'It'll take a fortnight.' "'What?' "'The notice and things.' In the train, in the midst of a great submissive silence, she murmured, "'It'll be simply awful for father and mother.' "'That can't be helped,' said he, "'and they'll be far too seasick to bother their heads about you.' "'You can't think how you've staggered me,' said she. "'You can't think how I've staggered myself,' said he.' "'When did you decide to?' "'When I was standing at the gangway, and you looked at me,' he answered. "'But it's no use butting,' he said. "'I'm like that. That's me, that is.' It was the bare truth that he had staggered himself. But he had staggered himself into a miraculous, ecstatic happiness. She had no money, no clothes, no style, no experience, no particular gifts. But she was she— and when he looked at her calmed he knew that he had done well for himself he knew that if he had not yielded to that terrific impulse he would have done badly for himself mrs machin had what she called a ticklish night of it six the next day he received a note from ruth dated southport inquiring how he came to lose her on the landing stage and expressing concern It took him three days to reply, and even then the reply was a bad one. He had behaved infamously to Ruth, so much could not be denied. Within three hours of practically proposing to her, he had run off with a simple girl who was not fit to hold a candle to her. And he did not care. That was the worst of it. He did not care. Of course the facts reached her. Facts reach everybody, for the singular reappearance of Nellie in the streets of Bursley, immediately after her departure for Canada, had to be explained. Moreover, the infamous Denry was rather proud of the facts, and the town inevitably said, "'Machin all over, that! Snatching the girl off the blooming lugger! Machin all over!' And Denry agreed privately that it was Machin all over. "'What other chap?' he demanded of the air, would have thought of it. or had the pluck. It was mere malice on the part of destiny that caused Denry to run across Mrs. Capron-Smith at Euston some weeks later. Happily, they both had immense nerve. "'Dear me,' said she, "'what are you doing here?' "'Only honeymooning,' he said. End of chapter 10